started last week a series of messages on vision and values, just kind of uh, a refocusing of, of who God has uniquely called this church to be. And I know that some of you may have been frozen out last week and, and may have missed that. And uh, if, if you weren't here, uh, there's some t-shirts available. Uh, uh, some of the smaller sizes are out, uh, but uh, we reordered some of those in children's sizes. So those hopefully be here in the next week or so. Uh, but some still available, decals, that sort of thing for the car. But Really, we just wanted to talk about who it is that God has uniquely called us to be. A, a rich history of this church that goes back to uh, 1870, and, and who has God uniquely called us to be for this season in the life of the church? And we talked about a vision frame. We talked about mission and measures and, and strategy and values. And, and in the middle, tried to put a picture, uh, a picture that uh, we can describe in words, and actually those words are on the very front of your uh, New Look worship folder there. Uh, unleashing a movement of Christ-centered, spirit-empowered world changers. That, that's, that, that's part of what we just sense. This is who we are to be under God, that we are to be a catalyst in, in unleashing a movement, uh, a movement that sends Christ-centered, spirit-empowered world changers into the world of business and education and entertainment and the military and uh, the, the ministry, a church, uh, families, all these spheres of influence, and that's going to take us across the street and certainly around the world, and we, we we're longing for that day when when the sun will never set on the influence of Fort Mill First Baptist Church. There will be people that have been launched out from this place to all corners uh, of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and and that's kind of the word picture. But if you were here last week, so we flipped up a picture of an aircraft carrier, and that's kind of the picture that I I want you to hold in your mind, and the USS uh, Fort Mill First Baptist, if you will. But that, that picture of a, an aircraft carrier that does, it's not a cruise ship. It's not just a, a fishing boat or any of those things, but it, it has a purpose. And that purpose is to get strategically positioned to, to, to uh, launch these airplanes, to launch them out on mission. And then the planes come back and they, they get repaired and they get refueled and they get reloaded and equipped. And there's some rest and uh, renewal for the crew. And then they're back out again. And, and that, that's kind of the picture uh, that of God uh, given us a, a sense of just let this be a staging place, a staging place that sends forth Christ-centered, spirit-empowered world changers into the world. And as we pursue that vision with God's strength and by God's grace, there are certain values that are going to inform the way that we go about that uh, pursuit of that vision. And that's what we want to spend the rest of this series talking about. And we just highlighted them last week, six kind of core values, not that we only have six values, but these are just kind of core ones to, to the, that everything else builds off of. And so we want to take some time and talk about those. And the first, and I think in many, many ways, the foundational value of all is the the value of biblical authority, the value of biblical authority. We all have authorities in our life, right? Uh, when you were a child, uh, hopefully you uh, grew up in a home where you could respect, you honored the authority of your parents so that you, your parents were that uh, some front lines of authority in your life along the way. As you, you grow up, maybe it was a teacher or a coach that had some authority over you. Even in the workplace, you have supervisors or boards or whoever that you report to. And so there, there are lines of authority there along the way. Uh, we have authorities when we make 
decisions. They're kind of folks that we look to to help guide us. So some of us, we, we, we don't like to make a major uh, decision about an appliance or a car or something until we've, we've consulted the authority of Consumer Reports, right? I mean, we we want to know, what, what, does, what does Consumer Reports have to say about this? Some of you have some of your go-to authorities when it comes to financial matters. This is somebody you listen to. Maybe it's somebody that you pay uh, to listen to, or maybe it's somebody that's a popular, a Dave Ramsey or whatever it would be, but somebody that you kind of look to and say, oh, I, I listen to this person. I kind of align myself with, with their philosophy. They're authoritative. When it comes to uh, technology stuff, maybe it's a friend or maybe somebody you really trust and you say, uh, when I have to make a decision about technology or I need help trying to make this computer work or whatever, this is the authority. This is the person I go to. We all have different authorities in our life, people that we look to, people whose opinion we respect, whose advice or counsel we follow along the way. Ultimately, the Bible tells us that everyone is going to recognize God's authority. Everyone's going to recognize God's authority. There is going to come that time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so ultimately, we'll always recognize God's authority. But God has communicated. He's communicated his truth and and with that, an authoritative truth through the Bible, through his word. In fact, is when Paul was writing Timothy about uh, the, the importance, the centrality of, of Scripture, he used some very interesting words. All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good Work. That there is this sense of that it's not just an ordinary book, but that it is a, a God inspired, literally a God breathed out book that God has chosen to speak authoritatively into our lives through the Bible. And He inspired, He inspired through different persons, different personalities, different ages. They spoke different languages, but He inspired this message, this authoritative word, this truth that He calls us to recognize and align our life under. When we teach our Welcome to the Family Seminar, we we talk about this value. We talk about uh, the importance of Scripture in all that we do, the importance of the Bible. And I've just pulled out a couple of the statements in the context of that Welcome to the Family Seminar. Under our belief section, we talk about we believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We believe it is authoritative in every dimension of our lives. Where the Bible speaks, it is authoritative. It is a core belief for us. And we look to passages like 2 Timothy 3 as we recognize the authority. But you also have to put those beliefs into practice. And so as we teach about beliefs aren't worth a whole lot unless we put them into practice, we talk about the the B, the B being the Bible. Since God's Word is the only completely reliable and truthful authority, other authorities may know a lot but they're not 100% perfect. They're not completely reliable and truthful. We accept the Bible as our manual for living. Our first question when faced with a decision is, what does the Bible say? The Bible is the basis for all we 
believe. The central question is, and I hope it's a central question that will begin to just kind of be natural for you, is what does the Bible say? What has God already said about this? Is there a clear command? Is there a principle? Is there a precept? Is there something in God's Word where He has already an example to follow, a lesson to learn from, and something in God's Word where He has already spoken to this? What does the Bible say? And that, that, that's what we mean by that biblical authority. And please, it is such an incredible privilege, and I hope you'll realize that, an incredible privilege to have a copy of God's Word in a language that you can understand and have that accessible. And for most of us, we have never known anything but that. And because of that, sometimes we can kind of take it for granted, can't we? We, we can just kind of just, it's always been there and always will be there. But there are many, many, many parts of the world, in fact, is the vast majority of human history from the time of Christ on that people have not had access to the written word of God in a language that they could understand. We have this incredible, incredible privilege, this authoritative word of God. But how does that kind of live out practically? How do I, said another way, build my life on the Bible? And that's what I want to talk about with the moments that we have this morning. If, if I really affirm that this is an authoritative word from God, that, that it, it is truth, uh, completely reliable, that is going to speak into my life, then, then how do I kind of incorporate that? How do I build my life on the Bible? And I'm just going to talk to you about five ways, and then for many of you this is review, and many of you are practicing these things, but I just want to, I just want to lift this value up before us again. How do I build my life on the Bible? We're going to look at James chapter 1, and James chapter 1 kind of use that as our outline for ways that we can build our life on the Bible. And the first thing that we see beginning in verse 19 is I need to receive it with my ears. I need to receive it with my ears. Look with me, if you would, at verse 19. And perhaps for in some of your Bibles, there may be even a heading above that right there that says something about hearing and doing the Word of God or the Word. Know this, James wrote. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, a very interesting choice of words there, the, the implanted word word, this word that is implanted into our lives. And as I was reading that, I thought about Jesus' parable of the soil. You remember Jesus had a parable where he talked about different types of soil. The same seed was sown in every one of those soils. But the, the, the response, what happened with that seed was radically different depending upon the soil that it found itself in. The seed was the Word of God. What happened was greatly dependent upon the type of soil that it landed on or landed in. And in much the same way when we think about receiving God's Word, particularly as we hear it, one of the first questions is, how is the soil? How is the soil of my heart prepared? 
prepared because the preparation of my heart goes a long way to determining how I actually hear and receive God's Word. And in this, these few verses in James, he gives us kind of four attitudes, four attitudes that can improve my reception, can, can help me to prepare the soil of my life and my heart and my mind to receive God's Word. And the first one is very practical. It's just to be quiet. Be quiet, right? So he talks about being quick to hear and slow to speak. Sometimes it's just a very practical thing of of just turning down the noise. It's hard to hear another person when my mouth is gone, right? It's hard to hear from God when my mouth is running. And sometimes it's, you know, it's just my mind and all the thoughts that are racing through it. And sometimes I just need to to be quiet, to, to still myself, to say, God, this is so important. I want to give attention to this. And maybe as a parent sometime or maybe in a, in a, in a conversation with another person, it's like this is something I really want to, this is important for you to hear. And so you may say, look me in the eye. Right? Look, look right here. Look right here. Because this is important. What are you asking them to do? You're asking them to, to, to give attention. You're asking them to, to, to be still and to tune in. But not only kind of an outside quiet, but to be calm. To be calm. And he, he talks, James talks about anger. And, and the, the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Slow to anger. Sometimes we can be quiet on the outside, but be churning on the inside, can't we? And part of the soil preparation is to say, God, hey, I'm bringing this stuff, and maybe I'm worried about this, or maybe I'm ticked off about this, or whatever it is. And God, I, I just I need your help. I need I need to kind of lower the RPMs on the inside here a little bit. I, I need to I need to calm my spirit before you because I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss. Have you ever Have you ever been angry about something? And even if somebody's talking to you, it just sounds like wah 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 wah. All right. I mean, they're talking, but you're not hearing. It's not because there's anything wrong with your physical ears. It's because there's just stuff going on on the inside, and you're ticked off, or you're angry, or you're preoccupied, or whatever it is, and you can't hear. You're quiet, but you can't hear because of what's going on on the inside. And so part of the soul and heart preparation is to say, help me to lower the RPMs. Help me to be calm, but not only be calm, but be clean. Be clean. He talked about getting rid of all filthiness. He talked about putting, putting aside uh, wickedness there. There's that, that principle, if you will. Listen, I'm not a, I'm not a flower person. I'm not, I don't do those things very well at all. But I know enough to say that if your flower bed is full of weeds, probably not a good idea to plant, Right? Because it's just, it's not going to thrive. You've, you've invested in these plants, but the, the soil's not ready. It's just full of weeds. It's full of junk. And what do you got to do? You got to clean out the flower bed. You got to clean that stuff out before you can plant. And in much the same way, if I'm going to receive the implanted word of God, I have, there's some things sometimes I just got to clean out. I got to clean out. And it may be as God begins to speak to you through his word that he identifies some of those things. And I, I just got to come and say, God, I need this weed out. I need this weed out. I gotta, I, this has been a part of my life. I don't need it in my life. I don't want it in my life anymore. I want to get rid of it. I want to turn from that, God. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to help me to walk in your ways. I have put aside the wickedness. Put aside the filthiness there. So sometimes you need to weed before you're ready to receive the implanted word of God. Be quiet, be calm, be clean, but also be humble. 
Be humble. And so he talks about receiving the implanted word with, with a meekness. And this is just a recognition. God, the God of the universe has chosen to speak to me. He has entrusted to me a copy of his written word. God breathed word. I'm going to come before that with a spirit that says, God, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to understand it. I want to align my life with it. I don't come to judge your word. I come to to hear your word and to adjust my life to it. And when those attitudes are in place, then I am in the best position to receive the implanted word of God. Receive it with my ears. So put yourself in those environments like you're doing this morning. Put yourself in those environments where God's word is taught. We want God's word to be central in the life of our fellowship. We want it to be central. We hope if you pick up a kid from the preschool hall that they have heard God's word. On the children's hall that they have heard God's word. In the student ministry this entire uprising weekend that they have heard God's word. And we want that word to be implanted. Receive it with my ears. But a second way that I can build my life on the Bible is to read it with my eyes. To read it with my eyes. Let's continue back there in in James. In verse 22, he, he picks up. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We'll come back to that in just a moment. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And the, the, the invitation is, is, is to read. And notice two qualifiers in those verses we just read. And I think this makes all the difference because sometimes somebody says, well, I, I read that and I didn't get a whole lot out of it or whatever it may be. Two qualifiers there. He uses the term looks intently looks intently. And this is the difference between a glance and a gaze. A glance and a gaze. Sometimes we give, we give a glance to something, right? Sometimes we can even approach the Bible and just say, you know, let me just skim this real quick because I've got things to do, places to go, people to see. Let me just give it a glance here. I just got a, just a moment this morning. just want to kind of check it off my list that I did it. And I glance at it. And when I glance at it, I'm not looking intently. When you're very interested in something, you give great focused attention to it. And that, that's the picture here that I am going to look intently into God's word. But the second qualifier is continues to do so. Not only looks intently, but continues to do so. This is an expression of consistency, of perseverance. And the person who is really going to build their life on the Bible, who is going to align their life under biblical authority, keep showing up before God's word. Keep reading God's word. They do it on days when it feels like they got a lot out of it and days they don't feel like they got a lot out of it. Days when they're busy and days when they're not. Days when it's convenient, days when it's not. But they consistently and with perseverance keep showing up. Keep looking intently into God's Word. And again, what an incredible privilege this is to be able to read. To be able to read in a language that I understand, my heart language, to be able to read God's Word, to just marvel at the fact that so many through human history never had that privilege 
And yet, probably most of us could whip out our phone right now and pull up God's Word wherever we are, almost at any time. And we have this incredible privilege. And here's the thing, that, and some of you have heard me challenge around this before, but I still marvel the folks who say, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. And my question is, have you ever read it from cover to cover? And I found folks that have been Christians for 10, 20, 30 plus years who have never read all of God's Word. It's like, really? This incredible gift that God has inspired, preserved, protected, and given to you. You have never read it all? And you do, there's lots of different ways to do that. Some of us try to read through it every year. You may say, that, that's a lot. I don't know if I could do that. Start with the New Testament. Could you read through the New Testament in a year? There's tons of plans out there. Go online and you know, do a search for Bible reading plans. It'll overwhelm you. It'll take two years, take three years, whatever it is, but to say, I am going to consistently and persistently show up before God's Word. I am going to read it. And then he uses the picture in those verses we just read of, of how God's Word acts. When we look intently into it, when we continue and persevere into it, it, it kind of acts like a mirror, a mirror in our life. And, you know, I'm just kind of looking out over the, over the group in this service right now, and it looks like just about everybody in this room looked at a mirror this morning. I'm just, I'm just guessing that most of us looked at a mirror, okay? A few of you, it might have been just a glance, but most of us gazed into the mirror for at least uh, 10 or 20 seconds, right? Why do we do that? Every single morning, most of us look in the mirror, sometimes several times, and we look, and sometimes at first we say, oh, I don't like what I see, and we kind of make some adjustments there, you know. We, we put stuff back in place, or, or we kind of put something on and say, why did I ever think that still fits, and, uh, or whatever it might be. And you know, we, we look in the mirror because we look to the mirror to give us feedback a reflection of how we look on the outside. And the people around you, the people who see you, greatly appreciate you taking time to do that every single day. I just want you to know. We appreciate the fact that you looked in the mirror and made some adjustments based on the feedback, based on what you saw in the mirror. But that's what God's Word does. The mirror of God's Word helps us to evaluate ourselves, to see what we look like on the inside. And just as soon as the fact that you probably hardly ever go out the door without looking in the mirror to see what you look like on the outside, don't go out the door without looking to see what you look like on the inside. So that you you place yourself before God's Word. Say, God, I, I need a mirror. I need a mirror into my heart. I need a mirror into my soul. I need a mirror into the way that I'm thinking, the actions that I'm taking. I need that feedback. I need that reflection into my life. And that happens when I receive it with my ears. I put myself in environments 
listen to things online, whatever it is where I am hearing God's word. But when I consistently and persistently look intently, gaze into God's word and read it with my eyes. But a third way to build my life on the Bible is to research it. To research it with my hands and my mouth. There's a great New Testament example of this. Uh, There was a group of of people in a place called Berea. And and Paul came with this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now they they, they heard it and it sounded certainly religious or spiritual or whatever language, but they didn't stop there. They didn't stop with just hearing it, but they, they checked it out against Scripture. This is what Acts 17 says about these guys. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. They were eager to hear, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Can, can, I just, can I just challenge you a little bit this morning? That there is a lot of religious stuff out there. You can find all sorts of religious stuff. There are crowds that are flocking to hear religious messages, sometimes just motivational messages with a few Bible verses kicked in along the way. But what is needed in an environment where there's tons of messages, tons of spiritual messages, and tons of messages that use words like God and all those sort of things, the need is for a discernment, a discernment that comes when we examine what's taught against the backdrop of Scripture. And that's going to come when we receive it, when we read it, but also when we dive in, when we research it, when we just examine these scriptures daily. This message that I'm hearing, whether it's from a religious source or a news source or a music source or whatever it is, how does that line up with what scripture says? And I examine the scriptures to see if these things are so. And there's a couple of tools that can really help. Basically, when we talk about research, we're talking about Bible study. We're talking about studying God's Word. Reading it, yes, but even going a step further in studying that and examining it and kind of, kind of pushing to understand that. And there's a couple of tools that can help us in that research, can help us in the Bible study. And I'm not talking about online tools or concordances. or by, you know, th- Those are wonderful tools and access all of those that you can. But ultimately, there are two tools that regardless of what other resources you have, you can probably make use of. And these two vital aids will help you in studying the Bible. The first is write it down. Write it down. One of the things that distinguishes reading and kind of researching is uh, I'm going to start to, to take notes. You know, researchers take notes, right? They take notes of, of what they're seeing or what they're observing or what's going on. They want to document this. And that's, that's an incredible aid when it comes to studying the Bible. And it could be as simple as uh, we, we teach a SOAP, S-O-A-P, a scripture. Then write down O, observation. What did you observe? You know, just, uh, what did you observe as you read that? The A is the application. How does this apply to my life? And then the P is prayer, uh, that I'm going to pray uh, out of that. Uh, There's lots of different ways to do that. You can do it pen and paper. You can do it with a keyboard. Really doesn't matter, but there's something different. There's something that focuses us when we write it down. It helps to clarify and crystallize what we're seeing and what God might be saying to me. But the other aid is not only to write it down, but to talk it over. 
to talk it over. That's why we encourage you to be in a Bible study group. That's why if you're not connected to an ABF or a small group, we want to encourage you. Take that step. Get connected because there's something about not only the Spirit of God speaking to us through the Word of God, but speaking to us through the body of Christ. And so we have that opportunity to talk it over. It's very interesting after the first service had one of our teachers uh, one of the folks that teaches and leads one of our AVF classes this hour uh, came up and she said, she said, interestingly enough, she said, one of the things that myself and another teacher do, we always spend just a few minutes together on Sunday morning before we go to our classes. We spend a few minutes talking about what we saw, what we learned this week in studying the Scripture. And, just, and she said, just those few minutes have been so incredibly helpful to them even in teaching because they heard they heard something from somebody else that they didn't pick up on even when they were preparing to teach and stuff and there's power in that I don't know who first said it lots of folks have been quoted at it I've shared it with you before because I think it's absolutely true but it goes something like this faults disentangle themselves when they pass over the lips or through the fingertips that thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass over the lips or through the fingertips. There is something about talking it out with another that helps to clarify my thinking. Maybe I hear a different perspective or I hear myself talk and realize that didn't make sense or, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, or having to write it down, having to kind of commit it to paper. That begins to help hone my thoughts. It helps to disentangle my thoughts along the way. And and interestingly enough, what, what we find in this is... And he said, Jeff, why in the world are you taking time to do all this? Did, did, you, did you see that last word there? And in verse 24, it talked about he will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. Why, why do we want you to receive it with your ears? Why do we want you to read it with your eyes? Why am I encouraging you to research it with your mind, hands and mouth? Is because I want you to be blessed. I want you to experience God's best in your life. And you will not experience God's best in your life unless you are interacting regularly with God's Word. Unless you are allowing it to shape your life, your thoughts, and your actions. Unless you are examining the Scriptures. And writing it down and talking it over can be incredible aids in doing that. But there's a fourth way that I can build my life on the Bible, and that is to review and remember. Review and remember it with my mind. Review and remember it with my mind. Verse 25 talks about if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is, uh, this is verse 26, I'm sorry, the one who looks into the perfect law, law liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. That the, there is this, it don't, it's not enough just to hear it, but don't forget it. Don't forget it. And in order not to forget it, I, I need to review it. I, I need to do some of those things that will help me to remember it along the way. What we're talking about here is memorization. 
memorization and just encourage you to, to, to say, how can I begin to hide God's word in my heart and in my mind? And I know for some of us, the thought of memorization is very intimidating, right? And some of you think, man, I can't even hardly remember my phone number, you know, or what I had for breakfast this morning, or oh, I got so much going on in my mind. That's why it's a practice. That's why it's a discipline. And I'm not saying you have to, to memorize chapters and chapters, but, but one of the things we do in our journey groups is we, we just challenge one another. Let's memorize one verse of Scripture a week. One verse of Scripture a week. That, that's doable. That's doable for just about any of us. And, and listen, I, I, I can't guarantee you that three months from now, six months from now, you'll be able to spout it off word perfectly if you haven't been reviewing it consistently. But, but this is what I know. This is what I know, that there's something about the discipline, the practice, the habit of memorizing God's word that it begins to kind of ingrain that in your thinking pattern. You know, we, we talk all the time about how the Holy Spirit can bring a Scripture verse to mind, you know, at just the right moment. And maybe, maybe you even forgot you read it or studied it or memorized it. But, but here's what I want to challenge you. It's hard for the Holy Spirit to pull out what you've never put in. It really is. I mean, he's sovereign. He, he's powerful. He can do a lot of things. But when I'm continually putting God's Word, I'm hiding it in my heart and head, there, it is amazing how often God's Holy Spirit will bring that out. Maybe when I need a word of direction or comfort or challenge. Or maybe, have you ever been talking to somebody and you, you know, they're looking to you for something you're thinking, I got nothing here. I, you know, whoo, I don't know what to say. I don't have, and, and the Spirit of God brings out the Word of God. And you just, wow, wow. You know, here's, here's, here's something that God has said about this. Memorization kind of stockpiles those things in your brain so that the Holy Spirit can bring them out. But don't just memorize, but meditate. Memorization and meditation and meditation. And meditation is, is a thing, again, that you see the, the, the challenge of Scripture along the way. One of my favorite passages along those lines is Joshua 1.8. This book of the law is, is God is preparing Joshua for these incredible leadership responsibilities. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Talk it over. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. My guess is just about everybody in here wants to be prosperous, right? Everybody in here wants to experience good success. And when I'm talking about prosperity and success, I'm not saying you're going to be world famous. I'm not going to say you're going to make tens of millions of dollars. Maybe, the, maybe that's part of God's design for you. But to be prosperous in your life, prosperous in your soul, prosperous in your relationships, to have the good success of fulfilling all of God's purposes and plans for your life. And in order for that to happen, it is connected with the Word of God. Blessing is connected with the Word of God. Prepare prosperity and good success are connected with the Word of God, particularly here with meditating on the Word of God. And again, I know meditation is one of those words that sometimes carries all sorts of weird connotations for us. We think of, you know, people with their legs crossed, gazing at their navel or saying, hmm, or whatever it may be. That's not meditation. Meditation is really just 
thinking about something, reviewing it, going over and over it again. Well, one of the pictures that sometimes is used of that and kind of traces back even to the words is a cow chewing the cud, right? And I realize that's kind of a gross image in this morning, but, you know, it's a, they, cows kind of chew a while, and then they send it on down and digest and bring it back up and chew a while, and, and they, they, they're kind of meditating. They're chewing it over, right? That, that's kind of the, 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 pic, the picture of what it means to, to meditate. Or when I teach on this, and many of you have heard me do that before, I always remind folks that you, I already know that you have the capacity to meditate because you have the capacity to worry, right? And worry is just, worry is meditation. It's just negative meditation. Worry is just thinking again and again and again and again about something I don't want to happen or I'm afraid is going to happen or I wish won't happen or whatever it may be or has happened. And what are the con- So I'm thinking about it over and over and over again. I'm reviewing it in my mind. That's meditation. Worry is negative meditation. What I'm encouraging you to do is to put God's Word in the mix. Put God's Word in the mix so that you're remembering it and you're reviewing it with your mind. And when you do that, God's Spirit brings it up at just the right moment. God's Spirit uses that to give you a word to speak into your life or into the life of another. He uses it to lead you in ways of prosperity and blessedness and good success. Review and remember it with my mind. But there's a fifth way. A fifth way that I can build my life on the Bible. And again, I know these aren't startling new for any of us, but it's a matter of are these showing up in my life on a regular basis. And the fifth way is respond to it with my actions. Respond to it with my actions. Let me go back and just point you to verses we've already read. 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 25 talks about looking into that law of liberty and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Joshua, the passage that we just read, you look at that. He talks about meditating on it so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Here's one of the sobering, sobering realities. And, and, you know, the first time I really came to grips with this is like, whoa, God, that's so humbling. Here's that reality. The only parts of the Bible I really believe are the ones I actually do. I only believe those parts of the Bible that I actually do. You say, no, 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 Jeff, I believe this, I believe this. No, 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 no. What I have come to realize, sobering as it is, is that I only believe those parts of the Bible I actually do. All the rest is just kind of religious talk. Because if I don't do it, then I am saying there's some other authority. Maybe it's my own opinion, but there's some other authority that I'm going to choose to follow instead of the authority of God's Word. In the end... I only believe those parts of the Bible that I actually do. That's why James said, don't just hear it, just don't talk about it as important as all those things are, but you have to put them into practice. But that's not just a James thing, that's not just a Jeff thing, that's a Jesus thing. That's a Jesus thing. In Matthew chapter 7, 
Uh, Jesus told that, that story, that parable of wise and foolish builders. And, and, and what, what distinguished them was not what they knew, not the information they had, but it is what they did, how they responded to that. And Jesus talked about the one who was wise. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It wasn't just in hearing these words of mine, because a foolish person can hear them, but Anne does them. We want you to experience stability in the storms of life because the storms are coming they are inevitable we all experience the winds that blow and the rain that falls and the floods that came we all experience getting beat up in this life but there can be a rock solid stability when you know and when you obey when you do the word of god now as i as i talk about this let me let me make sure that i'm not leaving out a very, very important component. Because as you, as you go through this, this, this might seem like just a checklist of duties. And I've got to receive it with my ears. I've got to read it with my eyes. You know, I've got to, got to research it. I've got to, got to review and remember. And now I've got to respond to all these things. I'm not even sure I can remember all those points, for goodness sakes. How am I supposed to do all this, right? And, and maybe it can feel like a burden. But here's what I, here's what I want to encourage you. God has been in this from the beginning. God's Holy Spirit inspired the recording of the Word of God. God breathed. It is the inspired Word of God. Before you ever encountered it, God had inspired it. God oversaw its preservation and its protection so that it could be in your hands today. It is the inspired Word of God. But here's also what happens. The Holy Spirit just didn't inspire it and take off. No, the Holy Spirit also brings illumination so that when you hear the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, when you study the Word of God, when you memorize and meditate upon the Word of God, what happens is that same Holy Spirit who inspired it, the author of the book is sitting there with you right and he is saying this go this way this is it and you've had that experience if you spend any time in God's word you're reading something and maybe you feel like I've read that a hundred times before but all of a sudden boom a light bulb goes off all of a sudden bang something hits you between the eyes all of a sudden there's this connection between what you're dealing with and what God's word says and you realize this thing is more relevant than tomorrow's newspaper right Because the Holy Spirit who inspired it is also the Holy Spirit who illuminates it. He brings it to life. He brings it to your consciousness. But that's not all. The Holy Spirit is also the one who empowers. He empowers you to obey God's Word. God's never going to direct you in His Word to do something that He will not empower you to do through His Spirit. And that ought to bring great confidence. God 
I'm going to come to your word because you inspired it. I'm going to come to your word because I know your Holy Spirit's going to meet me there and illuminate that word and illuminate my understanding. But God, I also know that whatever you ask me to do, you will empower me to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever God asks me to do in his word, God is going to strengthen me to be able to do. This is not just about a checklist. This is not about just doing some duties. This is about entering into this full relationship with God's Holy Spirit who inspired the word, who illuminates the word, who will empower you to obey the word. And when you do, you will experience his blessing. You will experience his definition of prosperity and his definition of success. Those things happen when you bring yourself into this partnership with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. But it's not going to happen unless you come with the proper posture. And so I'm just going to direct you to this, and this is just one of the the things that's made sense to me, and I've taught it to many of you. Uh, You you think about this Bible, and I think there's kind of two general approaches to it even among people who say, I believe that this is God's Word. One approach is to take God's Word and say, I'm going to read it, I'm going to study it, I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to pick out parts of it. I like that. I agree with that. I can do that. That makes sense to me. I'll keep that. Then we come to those parts, that makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to ignore that. I don't agree with that. I reject that. That doesn't make sense to me. Can't understand it. Ain't going to do it. When I come with that posture to God's word, I'm not living under biblical authority. I'm still the authority. I'm still the authority, and I am deciding what parts of the Bible, what parts of God's word I agree with, I like, I'm actually going to do. I can talk about how much I believe the Bible, But in reality, I believe in my own authority. Those who experience God's best don't come to the Bible to pick and choose. They come to submit. They come to align. They come to those parts and say, God, I thank you for that promise. I'm going to claim it. God, I thank you. That makes sense to me. I'm going to do it. But they also come and say, God, I don't. I don't fully understand this. I'm not even sure it's going to work in this situation. But because you said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring my life in alignment with your word. Not because I fully agree with it right now. Not because my emotions say that that's good, go for it. But because you have spoken, I am bringing my life under the authority of your word. Two radically different approaches to the same Bible. And the outcomes will be radically different as well. And so as we think about the value of biblical authority, I'm going to ask you to think, how are you positioning yourself to hear from God? How are you positioning yourself to hear from God's Word? But then what posture do you bring? Do you bring a posture that picks and chooses? Or do you bring a posture that says, God, you have spoken authoritatively. My job is to understand and align. My job is to trust and obey.
I want to pray for you. Would you bow with me, please? Father, thank you, thank you for this incredible, incredible gift of your word. It is a precious treasure that, quite honestly, God, I, I take for granted way too often because I've had access to it my whole life. But I know that has historically and even across the world right now not been true. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for this incredible, incredible gift. Thank you for inspiring it, for protecting it, for preserving. Thank you that your spirit illuminates it. Thank you that you empower the obedience to it. And so, Father, I I just ask and pray right now that, that you would just speak to each and every one of us about how we are seeking to be in your word how we are building our life on the Bible. Father, would you just show us what steps we might need to take this week to better put this into practice. And Lord, I just ask, would you in your grace and mercy just even now prompt in us an awareness of any area of our life where we've been acting like we're the authority instead of you and your word, where we've been picking and choosing and evaluating the Bible instead of allowing it to evaluate us. Father, any areas where we have chosen our way instead of yours, would you just bring us back into alignment with your grace-filled, loving, truthful authority? And as you just spend the next couple minutes sitting with